Hi, and welcome. I'm Steve Martorano, and this is the Behavioral Corner. You're invited to hang with us as we discuss the ways we live today, the choices we make, the things we do, and how they affect our health and well-being. So you're on the corner, the Behavioral Corner. Please, hang around a while. Hi, everybody. Uh, Steve Martorano with you, hanging on the corner. Another gorgeous day, early November. And November is, of course, the month that we reserve for honoring veterans. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Veterans and uh, problems they have and the treatment they're getting for a multitude of uh, problems associated with their their service often. Just a little background on uh, a historical note here for those of you who follow these things. Uh, Veterans Day, which is November the 11th, originally began as Armistice Day, which uh, marked the end of World War I apparently occurred on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month back in 1918. Now it is, of course, designated at, uh, as Veterans Day. So what better way to handle that topic than to have a vet on with us? And Rodney Thorne has been a guest on the program a while back now. Uh, Rodney is himself three and a half years sober and doing very, very well. He works for Retreat Behavioral Health, our uh, underwriters, by the way, at their West Palm Beach facility. We'll find out what he's doing down there. But um, we welcome Rodney to hang with us here on the Behavioral Corner. The hardest part of this interview is going to get Rodney to not say, sir, in response to every question. He, it's an old habit, I know. Rodney, thanks for joining us on the Behavioral Corner. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, see? Oh, there he is. Right? <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't want to put you on the spot. It's it's terrific. Uh, you know, uh, Rodney, uh, you you know this uh, better than most. We sort of uh, almost like a knee-jerk uh, tell veterans, well, thanks for your service, and sort of let it go at that. We're going to find out that they need a lot more help than that, and you're doing some of that help right now. Tell us about yourself first uh, before we get going. Uh, tell us about your um, military background. Okay. Steve, I spent uh, eight years in the military. I served in uh, the U.S. Army. I did two tours in combat. One Desert Storm, Desert Shield, and then I did a tour in six months tour in Afghanistan. Okay. And I was a Stinger Gunner for uh, Air Defense Artillery. You were a what? Uh, a Stinger Gunner. Okay, you know you Defense Artillery. You know, Rodney, you're talking to a career civilian. So, <laughs> so what? What exactly did in those in those combat situations? What exactly were you supposed to be doing? Well, I, I was defending our country. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean specifically, it, I, did I you? Kinda, <laughs> air defense artillery. Uh-huh. So I was one of the guys that was shooting down planes. There you go. Where, where, yes, uh, sir. Where are you from, Rodney? I'm originally from the state of North Carolina. North Carolina. Yes, sir. And uh, are you from a military family? How do you How do you wind up joining the army? Um, I guess it's somewhat military family. Uh, my uncle. Uh, a few cousins and I have all participated at some point in time, served in the military. So, uh, yes, I would say a military fan. Yeah. Um, I know that you struggled with substance abuse. And now, as I mentioned at the beginning, you're three, three and a half years sober. So, you know, congratulations on that. Tell us a little bit about Thank you. Tell us a little bit about the, your background with uh, the disease of addiction. When did it start for you? I was in disease of addiction probably about. Close to 20 years, maybe, off and on. Mm-hmm. Crack cocaine was my main addiction. I started using shortly out of the military, 
and that came with, I guess, the PTSD, which I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to drown the pain, the sorrow, the hurt. So I turned to um, drugs, and my drug of choice just turned out to be crack cocaine. Yeah, and I used it for years. At one point in time, yes, I was a, a working addict, but um, of course, that gets the best of me. Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing worse. People don't appreciate this. There's nothing worse than a high-functioning person with substance abuse <laughs> because yeah. you know, the more the more you can get done sort of in the real world while you're using, the longer you're going to wind up using until you crash and, and burn, obviously. So you weren't using in the military or before then? No, sir. No. Or before then. So you don't have any problem no. tracing at least the uh, the origins of your substance abuse to your experience uh, in the uh, right. in this in the service. Um, it came with the the night terrors, you know, the night sweats. The uh, like I said, it came with the PTSD. Yeah, flashbacks, well, yeah. the the sounds, the smells. What what all those things could trigger you, right? Yes. Yeah. What did you think was happening to you when you came came out of the military after three tours in you know combat? What What did you think was happening? And, I can actually say, Steve, I, I honestly felt lost, honestly. I, I had no clue uh, what life direction to take. Um, I just knew after the, the my last combat tour, I was done. I seen all I needed to see. I did all I could do, and uh, it had got the best of me. Mm-hmm. So I, I consider myself done. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm wondering, wouldn't surprise me if I'd seen what you saw to wake up in the middle of the night sweating and with bad dreams and all of that. Did you did you just think, well, you know, there must be something wrong with me. Did you have any idea that this was kind of, you know, a thing that was going on with a lot of veterans? Not at the time, you know, surprisingly enough. Um, as a veteran, you know, I, I, I basically speak for myself. We tend to, to try to hide things or cover up. Uh, we don't want you to think there's anything wrong. Even though deep down we know there's something wrong, we were, I want to say, trained to think otherwise. You're trained to, to defend your country, and this is what you do, and take no prisoners. Hmm. But then in the aftermath of all that you've been through or you've seen or whatever you dealt with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, when when those issues arise, we tend to think, you know, no, nah, it ain't nothing wrong with us. Right. No, right. it's not this, not that. We go to the VA, we don't tell the full story. Yeah. You know, yeah. we go see the doctor or the, or the psychologist or psychiatrist, and we don't tell them what's really in our head until later on when it's became to be too much. Yeah. Uh, it's also, um, I, I guess the sense is this is, you know, the warrior code says don't complain. Just, you know, man up, right? Exactly. That process went on for you for 20 years trying to get a grip on what's been happening to you. During that period of time, how bad did the uh, the crack uh, use get? I mean, were there troubles with the law or what What happened to you during that period? Not many. Not, I wouldn't say many troubles with the law. I currently... Um was like I think most of the time I was just trying to hide my feelings, my emotions, but also trying to hide from the world. 
So once I could get my, my drug of choice, you know, I would tend to disappear right. for days on end. And I had a family. That was bad. But that's what I call covering or drowning my pain. Self-medicating is a standard procedure. So you say you had a family, you were married, uh, or you were in a relationship, had children and all that? I was married uh, to a very, very beautiful woman. Uh, he was great, but I, I was I was like a bad apple, you know. I was bad to the core. It wasn't, it was so much my, I always worked, but my paycheck was cracked. You know, I was about the bare minimum at home if I went home. Yeah, it was bad. And and the, the uh, substance abuse cost you all that, right? Yes, it did. Yeah. Cost me uh, family, cost me home, cars, you know, anything materialistic. It, it went away. Yeah. And almost to my life. You OD'd? No, not OD, but I wanted to, I wanted to take my life. Yeah, I didn't, oh. I didn't want to live anymore. Really? Yes, sir. Did you Did you ever attempt suicide? Not physically attempt. Basically through drug, hoping I would OD. Really? Yeah, yeah it wouldn't be hard nowadays. Uh, <laughs> right. Compared to back then, it was a little harder. But nowadays, it, it wouldn't be hard at all. Yeah. When did that turn around for you, Rodney, and how how did you manage to get a grip on it all? I would say around May 2017. I remember it so clearly. I was on a binge for about three weeks. Didn't go home. Didn't do anything but just burn and chase crack all day. And I remember sitting in a trap house, a crack house, whatever you want to call it. And at the table on May 7th at 7.43 p.m., uh, it couldn't have been nobody but God, just spoke to me and said, this is it, this is enough. And at that time, I got up and I left my participating uh, cell. <laughs> I went to the VA hospital. In May 20th, 2017, the VA found a way to send me to retreat behavior health in South Florida. And I've been here ever since. Yeah. You're, you're working there. And I'm going to find out about what you, what you're doing down there. But uh, that moment we we've had so many people come in and talk about that moment when after they've done everything they can do um, in terms of messing their lives up and the disease has taken over having that, that moment. I mean, you're okay with thinking, I don't know. It must've been God saying, get it together, Rodney. Right. Right. It, it couldn't have been no. I mean, now I definitely know it couldn't have been nobody with God. They pulled me away from that crack table. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of people have difficulty with that. It sort of stops them sometimes yeah. from getting help because they don't, be, you know, they don't believe in that. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, well, they call it the greater power. I know in uh, in uh, right high power. Higher yeah, power. doesn't have Some to. Some people choose not to believe it, but it's real. <laughs> and it also doesn't have to be. It just has to be something bigger right. than you, bigger than you, right? Greater than me, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Well, it worked. They, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Uh, we're talking to uh, Rodney Thorne. He is a uh, eight-year veteran of the United States Army, so multiple tours of combat duty and suffered as a result uh, from a lot of trauma, which is not a uncommon thing with veterans. He now uh, works at Retreat Behavioral Health and uh, in the intake uh, department uh, of uh, the facility. Tell us what you do 
in regard to that? Basically, I bring the patients in, get them signed in, and um, all their forms approved, and and get their signatures to to move on in the consent for treatment. So once once they're signed in, then I um, do a kind of like an assessment form uh-huh. and try to get them on the right path to recovery. So in that context, you you've seen a lot of vets come in for help, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. What are they telling you, uh, or or how? Do, what do you come to find out that they need? What are they facing when they get to a treatment facility like Retreat? What kinds of problems? Definitely substance abuse. You may have some on the mental health aspect. Not many, very few. But like I said, it comes to a point where, and me, I know I can speak for myself. When I came through, it was. The, the substance that beat me up, uh, beat me down. And a lot of veterans that are here are coming through now face the same battles. Um, a lot of it is the PTSD. You have some with other mental health issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it come from, you know, their, their related experience in the military, um, whether it be the boot camp or whether it be actual combat. But it is definitely post-traumatic stress, you know, is, is uh, very real. Is there a typical age of the veterans you're seeing now? Are they getting younger? Or are they getting older? What's what's that about? Typically, average is the older vets. The la- later part of Vietnam to the early part of, you know, uh, Iraq, Death Storm, Death Shield. We're talking to uh, Rodney Thorne, who has turned his life around dramatically. Uh, and, you know, we're noting uh, his story uh, as we uh, take a, a moment to uh, honor America's uh, veterans. And like I said at the beginning, uh, and you've heard this a lot, we, we sort of think it begins and ends by seeing somebody either in uniform or someone we know who served and saying, thanks for your service. How, yeah. does that, how do most vets react when they hear that? It is greatly appreciated. It is. But it often reminds the vet themselves um, whether it is good, bad, or indifferent. You know what I'm saying, Steve? I know exactly what you mean. And uh, more more vets got to talk about that because you're right. I mean, you're not saying, you know, you know, don't say that. I appreciate you saying it. But it is kind of a glancing kind of thing. Like, hey, nice. Thanks, guy. And – like your problems are not going to go away because I said thank you for your service. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Not. You know, we do it to make ourselves feel good, and doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't really get to the core of what what veterans need. Were you ever homeless? Yes, I was homeless. Yes, sir. That's one of the things about vets that makes it really hard to get them help. Right. I think now it's not so much as I, I realize there is help, but asking for the help. Um. And I know because I experienced this myself when I was homeless. I didn't. I didn't want to ask you for nothing, even though you know, yeah, it is readily available available at a lot of places. But I was taught, you know, as that hardened warrior, you don't ask for nothing. I think that's a lot, a lot of how it's viewed right now. Yeah. Um, and I guess some of it could be arrogance, because you know. Sometimes we get into the aspect, too, now that, you know, I, I fought for this country. You all should be just 
doing this, that, and third for me. I don't ask. Yeah. You know, I just suspect it to happen. Yep. And resent it when it doesn't. Yes, sir. Well, this is one of the things we like to remind people of, and that is with regard to, you know, getting sober. The truth is you got to go get it. Nobody delivers it to you, <laughs> no matter how much yes. you, you may deserve it. you got to want it and go and go get it. Did you suffer from depression? Yes. Depression kept me from going home a lot of nights. Yes, indeed. I did suffer from depression. Low anxiety, but yeah, I was major, major depression. One of the other things that we have learned about uh, veterans, particularly during the period of time when you served and they come, they come home, in addition to uh, post-traumatic stress and, and substance abuse, uh, as well as the other mental health things, a lot of guys coming back are suffering from chronic pain. Yes. Were you wounded at all during combat? I was wounded in uh, Iraq. Our tank went over a a cliff, and the seat back jammed in my back. Went over a cliff in a tank. Right. Yes. <laughs> it looked like a hill, <laughs> but, but it turned out to be a cliff. <laughs> it was that night too, so that that was the, what, the big default of it. What the hell are we laughing about? <laughs> right. I, I, hear, it, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. How many people are in a tank? How many were in your tank? At, at that particular night, it was five of us in there. Yeah. Who was driving? Corporal Jackson. Anybody else hurt oh, going over the cliff? No. Uh, we had a couple that were kind of banged up and hit the uh, the shells, but I was the only one that actually sustained some trauma from that. Yeah. Because uh, I was in the gunner seat. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, with regard to things that vets face, uh, there's certainly – I don't know that you would directly uh, deal with this at a at a uh, treatment facility, but lots of guys come back with body parts missing, correct? Mm-hmm. Obviously. That can lead to a whole yeah. bunch of uh, other things, me- mental health issues. Mentally, you know, it can be depressing because you go now you're going to always feel different. And I experienced that shortly after um, after treatment myself, diabetic. I, and I ended up losing a digit uh, to uh, infection I got being diabetic and going untreated. And I ended up losing my pinky toe for that. Yeah. So this was shortly after I got clean, going through the clean, but I know part of this con- contributed from my substance use. Not taking care of myself, not, you know, not taking my proper medication, not worrying about my health issues, just smoking crack. I know your background with retreat. They're very proud of you. And I think that's why they, I know that's why they offered you a job, you know, three and a half years sober now and you're still helping. If if there's, if there's anybody out there who have vets in their family and, and they have problems or, or maybe there's a, a vet listening to the behavioral corner, what do you tell them about? about getting help. How, how, how do you impress upon them they got to go call somebody? It's good to pull them to the side. You know, not so much as an intervention type issue. They work, yes. Um, veterans, uh, it, it, could, it could go either way. But they prefer one-on-one because then they don't, they, they don't feel they have to be defensive. Wow. Uh. 
It's you, interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Again, it's overcoming that stigma of the fallen warrior who's not supposed to be complaining right. or looking for help. So, uh, and and by the way, anybody who's listening who. You know, you you can get into a program where where it is a one on one situation. Rodney, you're a testament to uh, to how you can turn your life around. Uh, not many people uh, have you know seen what you've seen. No one I know has ever gone over a cliff in a tank. Um, right. And uh, I th- thank thank I'll thank you for your service again. Uh, and yeah. uh, thank I thank you more for your time uh, here and your work uh, at retreat. Uh, continued success, man. Yes. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure talking to you, and thanks for not saying sir too many times. All right. (laughs) This makes me a little nervous. Rodney Thorne, thanks for for joining us on the Behavioral Corner. Every storm runs out of rain, according to the great Maya Angelou. Her words can remind us of one very simple truth, that storms do cross our paths, but they don't last forever. So the question remains, how do we ride out this storm of COVID-19 and all the other storms life may throw our way? Where do we turn when issues such as mental health or substance abuse begin to deeply affect our lives? Look to Retreat Behavioral Health. With a team of industry-leading experts, they work tirelessly to provide compassionate, holistic, and affordable treatment. Call to learn more today. 855-802-6600. Retreat Behavioral Health where healing happens. That's it for now. And make us a habit, hanging out at the Behavioral Corner. And when we're not hanging, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, on the Behavioral Corner.